0: All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 Podcast. This is going to be a little bit of a different one for you guys. Uh, This is our annual end of the year wrap up. And uh, boy, are we excited. We are joined, as always, by Brendan Veman, who's my trusty compadre um, and two other key contributors to the team over here. uh, Mr. Matt Polvey, who's on our analyst team and Mr. TiVo, who's our super producer Um, let's go around the table. Let's say good morning to everybody. Brennan, we'll start with you. How's it going, man? Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the UFi video lock, a smart lock, a
1: 2K camera and a doorbell all in one. What I love about this product, is it is a truly all-in-one with the three-in-one. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Ufi Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y
2: Video Lock. Ufi Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. It is going great. What a year we had. And what a year we are going to have! So I, for one, am excited to talk about it. All right, Crypto
0: Savant uh, Matt Polvy, how are you doing? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I like that intro.
3: Uh, very well. Happy to be back. Haven't haven't been on uh, the the podcast since this time last year, so it'll yeah. be fun to to dive into what we were talking about last time. Uh, we have no idea what price predictions we gave at the end of last year, so <laughs> looking forward to uh, to hearing how far off or how close we were, but. Um, but yeah, lots lot to talk about today, so
0: excited yeah. to Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, it's going to be an exciting one. We, we've got an awesome outline. We're going to be talking about everything uh, that you guys are even going to care about. It's going to be incredible. But TiVo, let's, let's hear from you, my friend. Uh, super producing in the background, laying low, staying high. How are things going?
1: Things are going great. Uh, glad to be here for another year in review episode. Um, we did this exactly one year ago uh and and uh, i don't know the sentiment last last time we did this was pretty low Um, (laughs) i remember it it was about the time we have talked about it before on the podcast but my own mother was asking me if this crypto job was was gonna end yeah um kind of in the wake uh, of uh, ftx blowing up right exactly exactly so i think we were looking at our outline we got a lot more positive stuff to talk about um yeah wild wild year to look back on honestly
0: Yeah, no, I I, I actually want to start with our predictions. I don't know if you could pull them up, TiVo. Um, What did we all kind of predict where we would be this time, sort of last year? Right.
1: So we'll do it again at the end of the show, but we just did a Bitcoin price prediction at the end of the show. We all went around and we have uh, the crypto analyst, Brendan, coming in at the most conservative the most conservative, yeah, the furthest well, off 29. Yeah, in first other words, word. I tried to be nice, I tried <laughs> to be nice. 20 29k couldn't even break a three handle there. <laughs> uh, and then at uh, and then coming up after that, we had tied, I believe. I went first, so I took the risk as the producer and not the expert. I went first and I, I put 33, so I said 33 for two reasons. It was my lucky number. And I was just basically learning support and charting from, from working with you guys for a little bit. So I saw that I said 33 pizza also said 33 Bryce came in at 36. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then Matt, Matt playing the smart man went last and asked Ooh. if it was prices right rules. And he didn't, <laughs> we well, want to make sure he didn't go over. So Matt, Matt went up to 37. So we had a 29 <laughs> yeah. to 37 range. Um and honestly, I mean I, I don't think that's bad. That's very optimistic. So the price at when we did this episode, I think it was about sixteen or sixteen five maybe. Um so we, we were all bulls and we saw a lot of stuff happen over the last year, specifically over the last couple
2: months. But um yeah, I mean Bitcoin beat us all. Yeah, wow. I mean this this is one of those areas where we're happy to be wrong about it because we all bet that the price of Bitcoin was going to go up. We just underestimated how good Bitcoin was going to perform. So, you know, if anything, this is this is the best case scenario, right? It'd be yeah. a lot worse if we all said 29 to, you know, 40K and then all of a sudden it was at like 10K at the end of the year. Um, but luckily, you know, yeah. we were wrong towards the upside.
0: If that was the case, then TiVo would definitely be uh, back with his mom. His mom would have been <laughs> crying. <laughs> but no, we, uh, we we cleared out a lot of bad actors. I think, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about today was just like the crucifix or the sort of, uh, you know, um, crazy sort of um, refinement that the crypto market went through. And I'm talking about it like I think it's called a crucifix, right, or a crucible. Sorry, not a crucible is where, in chemistry, you sort of refine um, a uh, uh, some sort of element, right, under fire. And and under this crucible, um, you kind of get this refining process, right. And so we had that in uh, in in the market, right, where we had 2022. Um, it was very hot. It was very you know volatile. There was a lot of you know pain, if you will but we came out the other side of it refined. We, we, we got rid of a lot of bad actors. No more Alex Mashinsky, no more, um, you know, fraudulent lending from from Voyager or from Celsius or from Luna or FTX or, or no more predatory sort of um, behaviors. Now, of course, there's a, now a vacuum of, of bad guys and the, I'm sure more bad guys will fill that void, um, which we're not hoping for. But, you know, technology is agnostic and good people use it for good reasons and bad people use it for bad reasons. Um, and so, they're, they're, you know, just like the internet, just like the US dollar, just like pretty much anything, guns. I mean, you can't just say, a you know, a technology in and of itself is evil um, because there are good people that use it. And so we, we do have like this whole, whole shift now where in 2022, you know, when we would talk to institutional asset allocators, um, everybody like, you know, took put the pause button on. There was a chilling effect across the market because everybody's got a boss, right? And and when you're thinking about, you know, oh, are we going to bring Bitcoin into the portfolio? Are we going to start talking about Bitcoin to our clients? Nobody wants to really put their name out on the line or risk themselves uh, when they don't have to, right? Nobody's pressuring, putting a gun to your head saying, you know, you got to offer Bitcoin to your clients or whatever. Um, And so nobody did in 2022. The institutions kind of just backed down. And just were like, yeah, we're, we're just going to kind of wait this one out. But now what we saw in 2023, um, just a complete sentiment shift. You know, the, the winter has thawed. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. But um, yeah, gentlemen, um, let's, let's dive into it. What surprised you most about 2023? Um, Matt, let's start with you. Oh, man.
3: Um, <laughs> so when we uh, go around the table. Yeah, so first, you so you went, wanted to
0: go last I, again. huh?
3: I wanted the prices <laughs> right rules <again>. Yeah, not <laughs> um, today. You know, that's that's a good question. I, I think uh, one thing that I've been surprised by is the resilience of the Solana ecosystem and how yeah. how strong that came back after being, you know, pretty heavily affected by the fallout with FT- FTX. Uh, certainly was not on my bingo card for this year. I, I was not expecting Solana to to rise back from from the ashes in the way that it did. I, I think there was a lot to be said for the technology, and and you know I'm I'm happy to see that it's being appreciated. But definitely wasn't expecting this level of uh, of velocity, I suppose, from that ecosystem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I agree to to Um, build
1: on that as, as a uh, producer of this podcast, we had Austin Federa on not once, but twice uh, over the last year. And we, uh, I believe we had him late, uh, late spring. Yeah. He's the head of strategy for
0: Solana, by the way.
1: Yes. And then we had him again at the end of August, uh, maybe early September. And he was vibrant. And it even caught my attention as a non technical guy. I'm like, holy shit, like this guy is fired up about what they're working on, what they're building. We got invited out to Amsterdam mm-hmm. for their conference. Uh, a little last minute, we couldn't make it. But I don't know. I left that. I left that and went went and bought a bunch of Solana. I don't <laughs> know if we've talked about that. I was like, God, that guy just seems confident. Like I believe that I believe that there's
0: some momentum there. Yeah. Um, I, I thought
1: that was interesting. So that's why you listen to this podcast, because we bring you people that that are, you know, working on good stuff.
0: Amen. Brendan, what surprised you about this year? I would piggyback off what Matt said, and Solana was a
2: big surprise for me. The other two things were basically everything that happened from institutional adoption. That happened so fast. I mean, like all the biggest asset managers on the planet was just an avalanche effect. And so that happened really fast. And I was a little bit taken off guard about like just how eager they were to all jump in, especially with how fast we went from Hey, let's go and file for a Bitcoin ETF, and then immediately turned around like a few months later, and then they all wanted in on Ethereum ETFs, <laughs> uh, and it seems like they are, yeah, just really eager to dive into the space. And th- I guess the last thing that kind of caught me off guard is how fast the gaming industry caught um, traction this year, and they're about a year ahead of schedule of what I thought or where I thought that they would be at. Ton of money came came in, the funding and like capital being raised towards the gaming side of crypto, like just did not cease. There's so much excitement and traction. And all these other ecosystems are building. It's not just Ethereum. We're seeing a lot happen on Solana. We're seeing a lot happen on Avalanche. We're seeing a lot happen with Immutable X and all these other like factors, like just all happening at the same time. And so I think gaming really surpassed uh, kind of my expectations. I thought, hey, maybe in the bear market, things were going to settle down. They'll get excited again in the bull market. But that wasn't the case. There's so much building that happened in the bear market that now we're in like the first inning and gaming's still like a super prevalent topic. So, you know, it, it's a good thing that caught me off guard. Again, I think we're about a year ahead of schedule from where I thought the gaming space would have been.
4: We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear. Like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA. From growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.
5: Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
0: Yeah, I think I echo that sentiment. Everybody was pleasantly kind of surprised this year. I mean, Bitcoin up 160% um, on the year after what was just the most gut-wrenching bear market I've been through. I mean, that was surprising in and of itself. Um, Also surprising was the fact that Ethereum only was up about 85%. um, So Bitcoin outperformed Ethereum by double I mean, I don't think anybody saw, saw a world where that would be happening, right? I mean, everybody's like, oh, Ethereum is Bitcoin alpha, right? I mean, or beta. If Bitcoin's going up, Ethereum's going up harder. If Bitcoin's going down, Ethereum's going down harder, right? That's that's market beta. And that just wasn't the case. Bitcoin just outperformed pretty much you know, everything. Obviously, in the last three months of the year, um, we've had a huge craze um, with meme coins and, and altcoins starting to take a, take a big pop. And, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But I think that was one of the most surprising things—just the the underperformance of Ethereum relative to pretty much everything, um, which I don't think is going to be sort of a trend that persists. Um, I, I do think that as the Bitcoin ETF, that was another surprising thing—BlackRock coming out and like issuing a Bitcoin ETF and like fighting the SEC, and we even see you know the SEC posts every person that they sort of meet with, um, and there's just a a, a whole rolodex of meetings that they've had with Fidelity and BlackRock and all these you know trillion dollar companies wisdom tree i mean it's crazy and so i definitely didn't have that on my bingo card like the blackrocks and the fidelities of the world inside the offices of the sec fighting for for our sake i mean that's that's pretty cool that was pretty unsuspecting so a lot of surprises lot of surprises i also didn't have it on my uh, my bingo card um, that Liz Warren would be launching a, a militia, a, uh, an anti-crypto army uh, to fight all of us heathens with self-hosted wallets. Um, I mean, what, what do you guys think of this? I mean, this seems, this seems pretty crazy. TiVo, I know you've, you've kind of been, been looking at this because it's gotten so much just virality online. Um, what do you make of the whole sitch?
1: Uh yeah she is a warrior for the establishment. I think that it's it's easy to see especially on Twitter and crypto Twitter is like if if you're against the people like you're getting ratioed. Anything anything you see on her is just absolutely ratioed. Yeah. Um same thing with Ginsler.
0: Um so that that just
1: kind of ratio you the for those of like, people
0: who are who are listening like what well, what does that mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, so good good point. So when you when you throw something on X or formerly known as Twitter is like you have likes uh, re- retweets and then met- and then comments. So if your likes are at a uh, hundred likes and then you have you know five hundred comments, that means that that's not a good sign. It means people are <laughs> it means are yelling. means pie. people are yelling at you. Yeah, and so you can kind of tell like she's she's trying to phrase it as she's fighting for the people and all that. But if you look anything into her, she's you know getting paid by the big banks yeah. and consistently is just trying to push this narrative that crypto's for terrorists and criminals and you know, all that, all that type of stuff. And and she's trying to come for, for, you know, the people in the industry that are trying to move it forward and, and doesn't really want to have a conversation. It's kind of her way or the highway, it seems.
0: Yeah, it, it just seems totally crazy. And I saw actually a little uh, discussion of some of the bills that she's been proposing. And a lot of this is just funded by uh, the people who really own her and, and got her there, which is the American Bankers Association. And they like kind of co-authored this bill with her um, to try and, you know, Make holding crypto illegal, and I think that this is going to end really poorly. I think it's going to be reminiscent of the crypto wars that we had back in like the the mid to late nineties, um, where at one point uh, it was illegal to hold encryption without like a federal sort of munitions dealer license. Like it was like encryption was was reserved for for military. It was military grade encryption. That was you know that's what it is, right? But now that same exact encryption technology, the same exact one that people politicians, legislators, uh, banks, whatever, tried to ban 25 years ago. That's the same encryption that if you look on your webpage right now and it says HTTPS, that S right there means it's secure. It means that all the traffic is encrypted. That S was supposed to be illegal, but now it's everywhere. And I think that Bitcoin is going to be similar. In in, in in a way, I think people are going to realize you know, maybe, maybe this is a technology that, that we can use that's, you know, a public good um, that we don't need to ban. We don't need to be scared of it. We could actually leverage it to make our society grow so that we could protect our individuals, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the government is there to serve the individuals and not the other way around, right? And so governments need to protect individual liberties, Encryption is, you know. By the way, that crypto war ended in a, a, you know, huge lawsuit, uh, Bernstein versus the United States, where in that lawsuit, the courts, the court system decided encryption is software source code, and that source code is protected by the First Amendment. So guess what? You can't ban it. And so I think that this whole thing smells very similar. I think it's going to go the same way. I think uh, individual liberties will win out. In the long run, I think the courts will see that the courts are already, you know, kind of fighting on behalf of, uh, you know, um, you know, the American citizens, kind of against these regulatory bodies and these agencies that are overstepping. Um, And you know, last thing I'll say on that before I turn it over is, you know, Liz Warren has proposed, you know, and sponsored, you know, hundreds of bills of which none of them have been passed, and she's supported, uh, co-sponsored, you know, fifteen hundred bills, and only two and a half percent of those have been passed, and so. She's, she, she's batting zero for a for thousand, it feels like. And, uh, you know, rocking the golden sombrero, as, as any of you sports junkies would uh, would recognize that reference. Um, it's not looking good for her and for her team. But, you know, I think the good guys are going to win out on this one. But anyhow, um, let's move on from Liz Warren. And I like uh, how you keep calling you know, her
1: Liz Warren. Getting, <laughs> buying the troll from the Twitter account. The Crypto 101 Twitter is firing Liz Warren trolls all day. I don't see anybody else calling her that besides our
0: account, (laughs) (laughs) Auntie Lizzie. Auntie Lizzie, (laughs) knock knock. Um, All right, let's talk about what changes that we've seen since the bear market. Um, You know what is you know obviously prices have been up, um, but you know me, Matt, Brendan, we're we're guys that use crypto, all these apps, all these exchanges day in and day out. Um, Brendan, let's start with you. I want to know sort of what's changed. Have, Have the applications been more usable? Have um, has liquidity growth like you know what what are you seeing that's just markedly different if we kind of eliminate price from the whole thing
2: yeah, I, I think that the way that traders are changed trading has completely changed, right? We've had this bear market for almost a year and a half. And people had to have this constant mentality of like, where do I take profits? And, and kind of where do I look to sell at? And we've completely shifted because, you know, I know you said no price, but price has completely shifted. And now we're seeing higher highs, higher lows, everyone's looking at buying the dips. And the kind of big things that, that we built are a lot of like the RWA and tokenization space. And that's kind of like a big shift that I've started to see over the last six to 12 months. Uh, and even now, like big banking is talking about it. Like I think we had Citibank and Bank of America and maybe even JP Morgan, like a lot of these big names are all super interested in this. Uh, and it's been eye-catching to me.
0: Yeah. It's funny that like, JP Morgan's CEO Jamie Dimon, he'll go out and he'll say publicly on you know on a congressional testimony, I think we should ban Bitcoin, and then at you know and it's only used for illegal purposes, right? That's what he says, and then you literally have the same exact bank that offers Bitcoin, you know, private trusts, and they're going to be offering you know the ability for for their clients to buy it. So it's kind of a conflict, right? Here, here the CEO thinks that it's illegal, yet he's still Letting his clients interact with it—it's just to me—it's a—it's a, it's a wild cognitive bias, and it's just at the end of the day, Jamie Dimon trying to talk his own book and hope people don't look too much into it. Um, I mean, to to his yeah.
3: point, uh, Chase has a ton of fines. I think 250 different uh, fines over the last billions of
0: dollars years. worth of the fines they've yeah. paid.
3: So uh, I guess it is used by criminals, you know. If <laughs> <laughs>
1: don't
0: don't forget, is the official bank of uh, Jeffrey Epstein as well yeah I mean those are the crooks those are the crooks right I mean that's crazy uh, you know they, they've sure they, they've 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 adjudicated this that they've been they've been running by run by crooks in in a sense i mean with with all these fines and all these breaches I mean it's crazy I mean I, you know people are are very clearly uh losing trust in in all of these banking organizations and you know let's not even get started on on that whole thing um but, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm so glad that we live in a time where we could opt out um, and take a look, you know, at, at alternative ecosystems like Bitcoin, like Ethereum. Um, and, and, you know, as we kind of, you know, move from this world of, you know, analog sort of databases that some of these, you know, banks are still running and, and fully digitize this. I was talking to somebody who worked at a big bank and he said just the other year, they retired. They finally retired their um, their last uh, COBOL and BASIC sort of lines of code. And I'm like, COBOL and BASIC were like languages that were invented in the 70s and 80s. And you were telling me like critical American infrastructure for our financial system was still built on that as recently as just a couple of years ago. And like, yeah, the problem is we can't find anybody who speaks these languages anymore. Who who, who you know, they've all aged out. Like that whole population that coded in COBOL and BASIC have aged out. And so, so now you have like a, 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 an industry that's very clearly ripe for disruption. And it's going to be probably like, you know, that next jump where, you know, I think, you know, Larry Fink is spot on where he says the the next generation for markets is tokenization, which really means, you know, full digitization. Um, and so, you know, finance is, is kind of the last industry to go fully digital. Um, you know, media went fully digital. Now, you know, nobody really buys DVDs. So you go know, stream it. Right. Nobody goes online, or sorry, nobody goes to the 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 media store in order to buy a newspaper anymore. It's 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 all online. Nobody really goes, you know, to the coffee shop to meet up with their buddies. That you know they're going to talk to them on online. So so everything moves from the the analog physical world over time towards digitization. Um, for one reason or another, that's you know that's just a trend. And so yeah, finance is the last to to kind of go. But um, you know, it's it's just crazy how. Bitcoin is now uh, the 14th largest currency in the world. Um, I got a, I got a kind of interesting little um, chart I want to show you guys. If I could pull it up right here. Um, let me see, share my screen for all those who are watching on YouTube. If you're not watching on YouTube, you're missing out. Um, so let me uh, share this real quick. Um, if you could see Uh, Bitcoin is the 14th largest currency in the world. If you kind of take a look at the uh, the stock of M1 money supply, Uh, Bitcoin's market cap, you know, right around 733 billion (laughs) dollars. There's more Bitcoin market value than there is Indian rupee. Um, That's that's just crazy, right? I mean, this is this is truly fulfilling its purpose as a global currency. Um, And I think that at some point here, um, the interesting thing that's going to happen is I think some of these Countries are actually going to be fighting over who owns the most Bitcoin. They'll hold it in their um, in their reserves. In some in, in some cases, it's going to be interesting to see that happen. But I like this chart. Um, and I, and I thought it was relevant to share because, you know, Bitcoin is fulfilling its purpose. And so even though, you know, some folks might be thinking, oh, Bitcoin, who uses that, right? Or where can I use, where can I send my Bitcoin so I could buy coffee? You know, like everybody's like wants to just like, you know, where can I use this? It's like, it's actually a savings vehicle. You know, you, you don't really want to be spending it that much. You kind of want to be hoarding it and saving it. Sure, you could use Lightning Network or Liquid Network or, you know, all these different, you know, you know, payment platforms and stuff, credit cards that are backed by Bitcoin. I think all that's fine and good. But when you look at it, at the end of the day, you know, to me, Bitcoin, you know, really is, is a savings mechanism. And sure, you know, you could also use it as a medium of exchange, but that's that's secondary in my opinion. Um, so anyhow, what do you guys think?
3: Yeah, you know, I was, I was just thinking that the term cryptocurrency has probably single-handedly caused... The most trouble for new people getting into the industry because it's it's difficult when you wrap your head around the idea of a currency to go into this Web three space and understand that that is only the tip of the iceberg and especially for you know the deeper you get into the programmable stuff Ethereum and and all the others uh, it's it's really so much more than a currency and so it's mm-hmm. it's great to see Bitcoin finding its place as such but but again I I think that term. Has has really caused a lot of trouble over the the years. Uh,
1: with, what, with Matt, what do you think people. about the the term uh, coins? So a lot of comments I see of like people that are haters on the space. are like, "Oh, have fun with your, your coins. Collect your little coins." I think that that's a, a verbiage that doesn't do justice to the technology and stuff that's going that's, on. That's
3: tough. Yeah, because I like digital assets. Point. Yeah, I, I like digital assets too, and and I think tokens are fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with the term token, even though that sounds more like uh, you know, something that you get at Chuck E. Cheese than a than a yeah. coin does. Um, <laughs> yeah. but but hey, you know, call it what you want to call it. I, I think it's really most importantly, it's it's just a matter of understanding that it's not. Uh, most of these assets are not meant to be used to buy coffee, you know. And it's it, mm-hmm. you're not going to uh, you're not going to be doing day to day transactions with Bitcoin, and so that's uh. That's probably the better way to look at it. Is is there's not there's not necessarily a right answer, but there's definitely a wrong answer, and that's cryptocurrency. Yeah,
0: I like digital assets, um, and I think they're going to be keep they're they're going to evolve. You know, as, as the as the years go on, people will make it easier and easier to spend. But I think primarily, you know, thinking about it in that lens through that lens is is the right way to do it. Well,
3: yeah, and digital assets encompasses all of the tokenization. You know. Uh, paradigm, I guess, that that we're gonna see rolling out over the the next few years. That's that you know, a digital asset having something that is tokenized on the blockchain, I don't know what else you'd call that. So that Mm -hmm. that's the term. We're calling it it? now. That's what we're gonna go with.
0: Um, so we talked a little bit about ethereum but uh as the number two largest coin it deserves a little bit more discussion I know a lot of people who, who listen to our podcast hold ethereum and I have seen a lot of uh a lot of sadness I, I would say and a lot of depression and a lot of um, capitulation in in ethereum just particularly because it's getting outpaced by even old dinosaur coin bitcoin right like pretty much every single coin has outpaced Ethereum this year. And I guess my question that I want to pose to the, the caucus here is why? you know, Why do you think that that dynamic unfolded? And do you think that dynamic is going to unfold in the future? And Brendan, I want to hear from you first. Yeah. So
2: I would say that the, the root of the problem here has got to be the gas fee issue. And so mm. transactions are getting kind of clogged up. And people don't want to spend the money on gas fees. Just yesterday, I tried to make a purchase. It's a really small order of $88 on Uniswap. And my gas fee was going to be $16. And most people just don't want to do that. You know, the average person... You don't want to pay 20%
0: fee to the credit card processor.
2: Yeah. And so the average person is going to say, well, why don't I go trade on Coinbase? Why don't I go trade on another chain? Why don't I do... Anything but the Ethereum main chain, because that is where I'm getting taxed the hardest. It's where I'm losing the most money every time I want to do something. And so it's kind of at the spot now where projects and users alike are going elsewhere. Um, Projects are forced to either use a layer two or some sort of scaling solution if they want to use the Ethereum main chain. And users are kind of in the same boat where they're saying, all right, well, I'm just going to look to other ecosystems. And that's why we're seeing Solana do so well. It's why we're seeing Avalanche do so well. It's why we're seeing everything that's plugged into Cosmos do so well. Because people can go over there and spend one cent to a few cents on their transactions, have them done almost instantly, and kind of call it a day. And So I would kind of say that that is like the root of the problem here. And the good news is, is that we have solutions that are I was going to say on the horizon, but they're like already in front of us. We have these viable solutions and it's just a matter of implementing them, whether they are something that is off the Ethereum main chain or even like Vitalik kind of proposed in his six part plan to to fixing Ethereum in really implementing sharding and kind of solving a lot of these scalability issues that he knows exists. And so, you know, maybe it's one of those scenarios and I want to get your all of your thoughts on this, but maybe it's one of those scenarios Where the Ethereum developers have made a ton of money since Ethereum is appreciated so much. And maybe now they're kind of kicking back a little bit. Because this is one of those things where like, I would say it's the most pressing issue that needs to be fixed on Ethereum now. Uh, for the masses is like again we're not even in the full fledged bull market yet. What's going to happen when Ethereum goes crazy? Like what's going to happen when the whole crypto space goes crazy? What's going to happen when we see an Ethereum ETF approval? Like there's so many factors that could make the crypto space so much more volatile and active than it already is. And I think again the most pressing issue for me is just you know solving some of
0: those scalability problems. Yeah. Now the the jury's still out, right i mean if if this is gonna continue, um there's so many competitors now, and you know over the past you know f- five or six years, everybody's been talking about, oh, we're building the next ethereum killer, right everybody wants to you know be the you know be the next ethereum and and have the the economy and ecosystem that that it has so everybody wants to imitate it um and and imitate the success it's had, but you know at the end of the day. If you kind of look at you know if you're an institution or if you are you know somebody who's responsible for for a lot of money whether it's yours or somebody else's, um, you know a lot of the times you don't really want to move your money off of Ethereum and onto some of these newer burgeoning ecosystems. The risk is so high, right? Ethereum is is battle tested and it still fails sometimes. So you're paying a premium. To kind of transact on the preeminent network. Whereas if I bridge over to Phantom a couple hundred thousand bucks or something, or bridge over to, you know, some other newer chain, you know, the liquidity is just not there. Right. And so there's slippage, there's all sorts of craziness. And I think that's also why there's been so much money that's made, because it is so illiquid. So, you know, just a couple big players could move prices around a lot on some of these smaller chains. But, you know, I, I think a theory, like when the institutional wave really does come. I think Ethereum still will, you know, take in a lot of that capital. I think a lot of people, after sign kind of the froth dies down on, on Solana, right? After bonk and, and all these things stop going up 160 times your money. Imagine, you know, throwing a, you know, a thousand bucks in there and then a couple months later, you got 160000 bucks. I mean, that's what some people have been doing. And that stuff's not sustainable. And I think once that kind of starts to to get edged out, not saying when it's going to be right, it could go on for six months. The markets can stay irrational longer than you can stay solvent, um, and so it, it very well could be a trend that persists. But at some point, I think that this trend reverts back to the average, um, and I do think you know Ethereum does get some kind of sort of run where you know it plays catch up a little bit. So it'll be you know jury's still out. It'll be interesting to see. Um, and a lot of these chains are, you know, a lot of these chains are competitive. Um, sp- certainly, on, you know, very competitive on fees. Um, but I think security and, um, you know, liquidity is what people are paying a premium for. Um, any other thoughts there, Matt, before we kind of move on? <clears throat>
3: oh, a ton of thoughts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where do I start? How much do time I do I we have?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um,
3: yeah. No, so I, I think it's it's important to separate price and market sentiment from the technological innovation when, when looking at ethereum because ethereum at its core was was meant to be a platform for people to to build whatever they wanted it, it was open source it was experimental you know and and it allowed people to build anything if they could program it they could deploy it to ethereum and the entire world could use it immediately. What we've seen over the last few years is is that EVM, the Ethereum Virtual Machine standard, has become the standard across the industry. And in that respect, I I tend to think that it's better to look at all of the uh, what what I think have been called eth colors in the past um, instead of looking at them as as competitors. Really, look at them as a piece of the Ethereum ecosystem because now Ethereum has you know experienced this technological maturation uh, where that's where the commercial applications are that's if you look at uh who is who's using the most of ethereum's computational power it's all applications you know it's mm-hmm. it's things like uniswap and and ave and and so on and so forth at the same time the innovation has been priced out. And so now a lot of the experimental stuff is on optimism and Arbitrum and base and so on and so forth. And those applications can come back to Ethereum if there's a need to do so, but they don't have to because they, they have all the benefits of Ethereum with all the support from the development network, because it's the same programming language. And then on top of that, you know, they have the, the liquidity and the ecosystem and and the ability for users to easily go from Ethereum to, you know, any of those aforementioned uh, EVM environments. And so ultimately, I, I think Ethereum might be, it, it's not being maybe adequately uh, priced by the market right now, but to say that Ethereum is dying or or any of these competitors have have killed Ethereum, I think is is misunderstanding the the state of the market from a, a technological standpoint, uh, specifically with just the dominance of EVM. So there are plenty of other you know Solana is a great example of a, a true competitor because it's it's a different language and there's you know different developers there. Um, but what we're seeing is is this rise of of the multi chain future that we had talked about for many years and and mm. seems to be working out that way. So it'll be interesting to see how that continues to develop, especially as uh, things like gaming. You know, you don't really want to build a game on top of Ethereum because you'll, you'll, well, you'll alienate your whole audience with uh, transaction fees. <laughs> but you would want to build something like a tokenization platform because that's where the security is and that's where the, the liquidity <clears throat> is. So um, it's it's great to see the industry growing up. And, and actually becoming something that uh, is commercially viable.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to clarify my point from earlier because I think I was maybe a little bit too harsh on Ethereum. Ethereum is something that I'm massively bullish on. And it's not like they haven't done anything. When you look at the tokenomic side of Ethereum, they've done so much. I mean, so many improvements. Just to list a few, they are now fully deflationary. They're deflationary for the entire... Uh, For the entirety of 2023, with the exception of the month of October, they're currently sitting at a 0.84 deflationary rate. They have great, um, or excuse me, their amount of Ethereum that is circulating on exchanges is at multi-year lows. Their amount of active Ethereum is also at multi-year lows which just basically means that it's rarer than it has been in a long time. Their deposit to withdrawal ratios for their staking programs are also looking incredible. So there's a lot of things on like the tokenomics and on the on-chain side of things that are looking really strong for Ethereum. And so I kind of yeah. just wanted to like, you know, ease back from my point from earlier. I was, you know, I was, I was a little harsh on the No, no, the no. I, I see where right. you're
0: coming from. And, and, and you're hitting on a really key point um, is that Ethereum right now is you know, losing its maximum supply kind of day over day. It's not increasing its maximum yeah. supply, it's decreasing that, right? And, and how many coins are circulating. So Ethereum is actually getting taken off the open market as more applications use it, right? There's, you know, EIP-1559 is the fee burning mechanism where, you know, as the applications sort of generate fees and stuff, they they, they burn um, Ethereum. And, you know, when you have something like, you know, not to pick on Celestia, I think, you know, good guys, um, you know, incredible product, great team. But in, you know, nine months from now or whatever, there's going to be a huge unlock of new supply. And these are going to be guys that got in really early, right? The VCs, the angel investors, the seed investors that, you know, again, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but, you know, sometime in 2024, there's going to be a huge supply unlock. And this happens on, on all the different chains, whether there's Optimism and Arbitrum, um, or or cosmos or whatever you know. There, there's all of these you know. You know, cosmos is super inflationary, like twenty percent per year. It's inflating, meaning you have to. That's the hurdle. You have to get at least above twenty percent before you make it break even. Like that's a huge sort of hurdle to to kind of get above, and that's what inflation does to people. Um, and so. Um obviously, inflation was a big topic in in the US dollar over the past year. Um, it's kind of come down a bit. But with Ethereum being deflationary, I think is is kind of you know going to change the calculus as some of these newer um, chains actually start unlocking massive amounts of supply. and then people want to insulate themselves from that potential dump so they are going to move back into Ethereum. And like you mentioned somebody mentioned it the bridging is now so easy you could get back and forth from one chain to another in minutes in seconds right I mean so um, it's going to be you know I think you know pendulums always go one direction back to another we're kind of seeing it right now where we had you know not to get political but we had like the republican trump pendulum right 2016 it swung really far right because people were fed up with you know um, you know obama's economics and all that kind of stuff and then boom As this pendulum started to swing, people got really fed up with, you know, Trump and and all of his antics. And so they elected Biden. Now everybody's getting fed up with Biden. So it's going back to, you know, so like things always kind of swing back and forth towards extremes. And so right now, I mean, even as we're recording this, I think it's probably a good point to um, to maybe just bring up some charts real quick as Ethereum is breaking new lows uh, relative to Bitcoin. And so, if we kind of zoom in here, um, scale the price chart, you could see right now, you know, Bit, or sorry, Ethereum in terms of Bitcoin. So, this is ETH relative to BTC, has been forming a uh, kind of a descending triangle, which, as we all know, is a bearish pattern. It looks like it finally has kind of broken out and completed this. It's taken in a lot of volume um, at these sort of consolidation levels and it's making new lows. So, um, you know, you do have kind of the final sort of. hair, you know, th- this support line is as thick as a piece of hair, is what I'm trying to say here. But if it sta- if it's, you know, if it stands, you know, God willing, um, you know, the Ethereum ecosystem is going to remain strong. But it looks like, you know, the lows that we put in back in the summer of 2022 um are being tested right now and the conviction of the market's being tested. Um so I'm going to be very curious. I mean maybe instead of even asking um you know, if you guys think that this is going to, you know, do you guys think it's going to hold or do you guys think it's going to fall? Um, you know, at the, at the end of the call, we should ask, you know, do you think that, you know, Ethereum in terms of Bitcoin this time next year, you know, which volume point of control is it going to gravitate towards, right? This is, you know, the valley that we're in the middle of right now, where very little volume is traded. And, and these are, you know, little, you know, areas of mass that have gravity, and so we're, we're going to see, you know, the, the market always wants to swing from one side to another. And we had consolidated quite a bit of volume up here, as you can see. And now we're, we're very quickly swinging back down to this volume point of control around 0.03. Um, so I'm curious to see what you guys think if, if Ethereum is going to kind of, you know, find some support here and kind of bounce back up towards, uh, you know, relatively being strong against Bitcoin, or if it's going to kind of wobble and then, you know, roll over back to its trading range, um, really from between 2017 and uh, you know mid 2021. Uh, it's really going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, for me, I think that as the Bitcoin ETF launches, um, you know, it, it might be a blow off top and in interest on uh, on on Bitcoin, and then you could have like a catalyst for a, a reversion back to some Ethereum strength as the market starts to speculate on um, Ethereum ETFs, but. Um, we could talk about that more in a little. We'll take a quick look at at BTC uh, in terms of the U.S. dollar. Um, you know, as Brendan mentioned, you know, making higher lows all throughout the year. Okay, I mean, we had a really strong sort of consolidation up here. Had a, had a pretty sizable dip here to start December, but you know, the trend is very clearly up. You could see as defined by the 20-day moving averages. Um, the 20-day moving average has acted as very strong support short term. Uh, you know support indicator the fifty day moving average hasn't even been tested since october of uh twenty twenty three around the seventeenth um, and the two hundred day moving average is that your long term sort of indicator that has been uh has been some strong support so and you're getting good volume along the way so you know bitcoin you know remains bullish um, you know for the foreseeable future uh, but if you look at Ethereum even in terms of the dollar. You know that's kind of a messy chart. Let me remove some of that stuff. It doesn't look horrible. What it really looks like is happening is here's a big resistance point, right? This was the high, the bounce after um the Luna crisis. Uh it 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 after the Luna crisis it kind of bottomed out around 1700 bucks and bounced all the way back up to around 2200 bucks, which is kind of where we're at right now. Set that strong resistance. That resistance was the highest point the market had been at um, since you know May of 2022, so we finally broke above it, and it does look like we're we're kind of bull flagging on that sort of long term resistance, and we're looking for support. Um, so I think you know as, as Ethereum does find support, and you can see it's respecting the, the the trend indicators, right? It is respecting the uh, the 20 day average in a sense. It's re- certainly respecting the 50 day average. Um, so things you know don't look horrible. For ETH relative to the dollar, so you know you're going to be making money in the ETH market relative to the dollar, um, but it doesn't look as good as you know something like AVAX, right? AVAX US dollar, which has just been you know completely obliterating any any level of um, any level of resistance here. Um, you know, very strong trend. Solana, as we mentioned, um, just completely breaking out. Here's that same sort of resistance point after the Luna crisis. Um, that Solana consolidated on and has continued to uh, to break out from. So, you know, they're leading the pack right now, and I think ETH will will play some catch up. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of how I'm looking at. It. I want to also show you guys total three, um, which is you know, a pretty awesome sort of chart here that I drew up for you guys. If I do say so myself, we've got uh, a really strong pivot here at 500 billion dollar market cap, which was resistance turns support. And then again, resistance after that sort of Luna crisis. By the way, this was one of the worst months of my life over here in May <laughs> of 2022, um, as the market completely uh, kicked me in the teeth. But we all learn and we all, we all get better. And so as you can see, I, you know, I've got this yellow line right here. This yellow line is actually just the inverse of this price action right here. Um, so kind of what we see in, in a, lot, a lot of the times in markets is that they, you know, in areas in the past where prices have moved very quickly, um, back on the way, the other direction, it tends to move very quickly as well. You can see this lack of volume um, that traded right here. Um, this big, big valley of volume uh, between a $500 billion market cap and a $600 billion market cap. It really elevators up and down through it. You can see elevators up elevators down, elevators up, elevators down. So we haven't had the elevator back up in a while. And so what I did here was just took the inverse of, of this and flipped it and charted it that way. Um, and you can see there there is potential in this zone right now as we break above um, this sort of resistance, which we have broken above the volume weighted average price resistance here. Um, from that same point, we haven't broken above horizontal resistance yet. But as we do, you know, this is where fireworks could happen. So um, you know the prices could move very quickly through this area um, so i'm pretty excited about the altcoin market as you know altcoins go from about a four hundred and seventy five billion dollar market cap to to very quickly it could it, it could double right um, as you can see very quickly in this same area it it lost half of its value and um, so i'm I'm very excited about uh, just the altcoin market broadly here like um, i kind of wanted to turn it to you guys. You know, if you if you have one thing you're looking forward to in 2024, um, maybe it's a certain altcoin launching, maybe it's some um, some big upgrade. Who knows? Um, I'm curious. You know, Tivo. I want to start with you. You know, what are you looking forward to uh, in 2024? Um, if people are uh, avid listeners, a couple weeks back we looked at that chart um,
1: for YouTube views. And we compared it to the price action. Mm. And so we've had awesome price action over the last, call it three, you know, obviously the year has been great. But the last three months, right, we all agree. I mean, it's been a a pretty awesome move to the upside. And if you compared those charts, um, it was the price action flew up and YouTube views, Google searches across the board stayed the same. So, and and I confirm with that with people in my own life, friends, family that aren't that interested in the space, you know, they haven't been calling or texting. We got, we got one last week. I got one Bitcoin, one last week, but the, just uh, the start. <laughs> yeah, it's just the start. And so obviously it seems set up with the ETF, um, and, and hopefully some more positive price action that, that it could be an amazing 2024, but I'm really interested obviously in what I do for us of getting our content out there to the masses on social media is like, when is that crazy Google uh, hit and YouTube hit going to go? And then that's, I think would, would relate into the chart you just showed of that elevator up. Once mm-hmm. that starts happening, everything's going to snowball from videos to prices in a good way, not snowball down, but elevator up. Um, that, that's what I'm looking for. As soon as we start to see that is, is when I'm going to get really excited.
0: What about you? What about you, Matt? Anything you're looking forward to particularly? Uh, it's
3: it's hard to say specifically because there's so much going on uh, across the whole industry. But But I do think that, you know, for anyone who has followed, the way that technology finds its way into our daily lives, uh, there's, there's this idea of crossing the chasm where technology is developed slow, you know, kind of slowly at first. And then there's this period of, okay, is this really useful? And then it becomes mainstream after crossing the, the chasm of disillusionment. And so I think that 2024 is, if it's not the year we're very close and, and, I'm excited to see so much innovation happening in the space that, that really is using the the building blocks of what's been you know created in this industry to to make real commercial applications and real companies and and you know user facing applications all of the above. Um, Twenty four might be the year that we that we cross the chasm.
2: What about you, Brendan? You know, I'm excited to see kind of that barrier to entry continue to get removed. Um, not just for people who want to like purchase cryptocurrencies, or, you know, as we like to call them, crypto assets, but also for people just utilizing blockchain tech for everyday reasons and everyday purposes. You know, I want us to kind of get to the point to where, you know, we can go up someone and they can say, hey, what do you do? We, we can say, hey, w- you know, we're a blockchain analyst. And the, qu- the next question will no longer be, you know what is a blockchain you know what does a blockchain analyst mean i'm kind of ex- excited to see crypto get to the point where people are familiar with what blockchain technology is because they're using it on a daily basis kind of in the same way of how we've seen the internet go from a question of like oh what is the internet i'm sure we've all seen those those old um kind of like news yeah, yeah, interviews. the videos from like
0: the, the today show yeah. like what even
2: is internet exactly <laughs> And that's kind of the, the place that I see of where we're at in crypto right now, where people are like, you know, what is blockchain? What is a blockchain? Like, what are cryptocurrencies? How are they used? And I think that we will get to a point where we are looking back to these same interviews about crypto in the same way that we look back to people asking questions of like, what is the internet? And like, now it's so silly to us. We're like, what is the internet? Like, how could you not know? But I think that there will be this moment in the future, you know, whether it's a yeah. year from now or 10 years from now, where crypto is in the same boat. And we're seeing so much effort being put towards making sure that all of, of crypto and blockchain tech in its entirety is made accessible and easy to understand for the average person.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's a great note to kind of end it on, just kind of thinking about the opportunity that we have before us um, with crypto, investing in crypto. You know, Think about the, the difficulties. You know, I, I speak to clients and customers and they're like, you know, it's difficult to, to use crypto, right? It's difficult to, to send money around and, and take advantage of these opportunities. But that's exactly where sort of the, the, the opportunity lies in a new market. So imagine, you know, back in the early 90s, you refuse to invest in any internet company because you don't understand it and because you don't know how to use it. You would be wrong right you would be you know millionaire multiple times over if you invested in some of those early internet stocks even though their user interface was horrible and you know the, the, the experience was was a nightmare and confusing the, the the newness of the whole thing was how money was made right because you're doing something that nobody else is doing and that's kind of the rule of of, of the li- of, of the of the life that's the rule of life right like you know value is very scarce if you are doing something that everybody else is doing, that's probably not that valuable. You probably won't get compensated for it that much if, if you have you know, a skill that somebody else can do, right? And it's commoditizable. Um, whereas now we have, you know, uh, you've know, you got something that's very rare and very unique, right? That tends to be scarce and, and more valuable. And so we have the opportunity to invest in a technology that's very new, still confusing. But there's an arbitrage happening, an arbitrage of perception, almost, if you will. Whereas some people are still discounting this technology, like they discounted the internet because it's too confusing for them. But you have to get out of your own mind and say, well, what do other smart, you know, why are smart people looking at this? Why are smart people talking about this? And um, you know, follow follow wherever that kind of um, that rabbit hole takes you. For me, you know, I, I realize, wow, this is a, a really new formative. You know, fundamental sort of technology, and and even though you know I don't understand every single aspect of it, you know I'm not going to let that stop me from investing. But anyhow, I also wanted to kind of end with this last chart. Um, this is a chart, like kind of TiVo mentioned um, about uh, you know how many people are uh, you googling uh, crypto on a day to, day by day basis. So you can see, obviously, in, in 2015, you know nobody's you know talking about it. All of a sudden, 2017 comes around. There's a huge spike. And then the bear market happens, then again the, another bull market again kind of looks like the price chart right bull market comes now we've are in a bear market, and we're currently you know at, at, at extreme lows um, where you know the the Bitcoin um, conversation and the crypto conversation is um and I think that you know if we we talk about you know where this chart might be next year um, this chart might be you know at new highs um, with with more conversation and and all that stuff so with that being said um Guys, now's uh, now's a good time to be a crypto investor. I hope everybody who's watching, um, you know, is not sidelined. I hope you know this is now the time to, to zoom in and to to you know to pay attention because it's going to be a, a crazy, crazy fun twenty twenty four. If you guys stuck through the bear market, um, don't don't close up shop now. Um, I would say stick around and keep listening to Crypto One Hundred One. We're going to have more info for you guys day in, day out. And uh, check out the show notes for, for all sorts of other information um, that we are circulating. So um, with that, Matt, Brendan, TiVo, well, any final words, uh, any last memes to leave us with? Any last predictions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, exactly. Predictions. We got to get our uh, Bitcoin price. So we'll be doing this one year from now. Uh-oh. Again. So right. where, where where are we going? Let's
0: do the reverse of the
1: order last time.
0: <laughs> okay. I knew that was that coming. I- <laughs> yeah. That's like trying Matt's to hide in first. the back. He's
1: like, don't pick me first. <laughs> so, all right. So then the order's Matt, Bryce, uh, Brendan, and then I go last this time. Ooh. All
3: right. I'm I'm going to take the bullish case, and and I'm going to say 97.5.
1: woo well, Wow.
0: 97.5. I like it. Just shy of 100K. Then the market dumps just and everybody shy. goes home. Just shy. <laughs> okay, for me, um, 97.55. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm not that big of a five, deal. A one. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, this time next year, I'm going to go 80,000. 80,000 on the head, um, which is, you know, a little less than double from where we're at right now. Today, we're at 44,000 on the head. Um, I'll go 80,000.
2: You know, I went a little bit conservative last year with my estimates. So this year, I feel like it's only necessary that I compensate for it. I was going (laughs) to go 85. But instead of being in the middle of the range or at the bottom of this range, you know what? I'm going to go above and beyond this year. Give me 102. Okay. Wow. There it is. That's a first. I think that's a first for a crypto one-on-one
1: podcast, a hundred,
0: oh, hundred yeah. K plus. Six figures.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm torn. I mean, I want, I want to be the degenerate and say like 120, but I think that there, there's kind of like we talked about when everybody's scared and you, you know, it, now's the time to get in. There's something, it feels like last year was the bot hold your nose and buy. And that's where you're rewarded. And something I think we're going to go up. I'm excited for it, but there's something that seems like everything's too perfectly lined up. Yeah, like over the next year, it's it almost seems too perfect. And I, yeah. and we, I know we all hope we ride the elevator up uh, to to brand new highs and keep going. I'm going 88. I like double numbers. Last year we did 33. Uh, I'm going 88.
0: Okay. So you guys are uh, making me the quintessential bear of the group. All right, love it.
1: <laughs>
3: I, I was gonna take forty five under uh, TiVo's uh, kind of you know thoughts too, but nah, we're we're going all in. Yeah,
2: Bryce. Yeah, no, you, you guys are
0: right. I mean, things things are good, and uh, sometimes if things seem too good to be true, it isn't. Um, so it seems too up.
1: perfect, and we can't trust BlackRock. Even though, yeah, even, exactly. though even
0: though they're on our team
1: trying to get the SEC and all that, I, we, we can't trust them. We can't trust yeah, them. fair.
0: I love it. All right, guys. Well, thank you for your time, uh, everybody at home listening. I Hope you guys enjoyed. Hope you guys, uh, if you're just on Spotify or just on you know Apple or Podbean or wherever, um, pop over to YouTube. Check us out. See our ugly mugs, all of our chart work, and uh, have some fun with us. Um, but until then, we'll see you guys same time, same place next week. Thank you.